Hey, my name is Adam Whitescarver, and I'm the executive director at the Chattanooga House of Prayer, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today, and I hope it encourages you and gives you perspective to see the beauty and the diversity of God's church, both in Chattanooga and the church at large. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to a beautiful church podcast. This is our second season, and we are with the Reverend David Carter at the Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul. We're just this is just David and I conversing through uh, differences and similarities between the Catholic and the Protestant Church. Uh, you know, I've said it before a little bit, but I mean, as Protestants, I think we've even forgotten that we were protesting anything and we're trying to think of ourselves as this own separate thing or that the thought of lowercase c Catholicity uh, is completely lost, that we don't have to care about unity anymore in the church or that it is, can only be mystical and spiritual, but there's no hope for it in any kind of uh, brotherly way of walking things out in any kind of familial way. Uh, and certainly, I think we forget that we can be uh, maybe in disagreement in some places that are non-essential, uh, but keeping to the essentials. And I could hope for much more, and I certainly do. Uh, but I don't know that I'll see it in my lifetime or that the church will see it before the return of Christ. Well, I think it's especially important in these days when the secular world seems to be gaining so much ground and the world of faithful people is dwindling. Sure. And we, we need to unite the clans, as, they, as Braveheart would say. Unite the clans, yes. <laughs> unite the clans. Uh, that, that we need to be a little bit less squabbly and a little bit more um, unified. Yes. And it, not to minimize, we we can't we can't be reductionists, either. right? We don't. And, and both David and I uh, are—I don't want to call us hard-headed. That's kind of rude. Uh, but we we have strong beliefs. We're not just coming to this table in the sense of like, oh, we're wishy-washy over these things, and these things don't really matter. I mean, we both deeply care about everything that we're talking about, uh, and we don't. We certainly have our points of disagreement, but. There really is, I mean, I, and I haven't done the analysis, but between Protestants and, and most Protestants, at least, and the general consensus view, I would say, of Protestants, and at least Orthodox Protestants, lowercase o, Orthodox Protestants, uh, and Catholics, there is 97% agreement. I mean... You love the little o and the little c. I'll well, take it. I'll it, take it. It, yeah. it describes it for, yeah. you know, what, are you talking about the Orthodox Church? Or you, and who, who are the Orthodox Protestants? And there's an Orthodox Presbyterian Church the OPC that Presbyterians will talk about. So you've got to you've got to clarify these things in a world of thirty three thirty three thousand denominations. But the idea is if we can if we can at least say that this is traditional Christianity as as in this is what Christianity has been for two thousand years. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Especially where we, we have disagreements in doctrine, we have much more alignment of uh, what is considered Christian morality for two thousand years. Okay. Yeah, there's been far less disagreement on what uh, historically on what morality is. Odd rem to the point to the thing. Mm. There it is. I just threw it in because Adam loves my Latin Latin reference. Uh, Marriage itself. I do love them. They're great. It's true. They're great. But to the point. Okay. uh, Marriage is is one of those points of of consistent morality. In the Christian world, yes. as opposed to the pagan world and the, the in, in cultures that we've we've encountered, though we will say marriage is a universal phenomenon. Yes. There are certain universal principles 
that we could we could come up with, uh, even though there are aberrations of it or um, different manifestations of it or, or uh, instances where the, the there is a breaking of the, that rule in a culture that we might encounter. But for the for the general part, marriage is considered a a moral institution. Yes, yes. Uh, well, once again, David has stolen my thunder. Marriage is what we're going to talk about today, and uh, talk about what uh, what go a little bit of what goes on in marriage. So, David, why don't you start us off and just give us uh, the Catholic view and importance of marriage? Because I mean, I'm. I'm expecting a, a Protestant listenership that does not necessarily know exactly all the Catholic stuff. I know you Catholics will be listening to this too. And, right. But, but speak to give the idea behind marriage in the Catholic okay. mind. So what we do, we, we, we do what Jesus does and say, go back to the beginning, Matthew 19. In the beginning, God created them male and female. So we would say marriage is part of the original creation. It's built into our DNA as human beings. That male and female, this co-relational uh, model of you know, being human, is part of uh, being humanity. What does it mean to be in the image and likeness of God? To be capable of communion, right? And right. that's what God is, a tri- trinity of persons. Tri- First family is God, the trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yep. right? Yep. So that's how we're made, for, we're made for marriage. So we're relational beings. Um, we are meant to give, give, give ourselves in love and to receive another in love. And, and this is the model of what we will experience forever in heaven. Right. When God gives himself to us and the we give ourselves to him. There right. it is. So marriage is built into our DNA as human beings. And so it's what we, it's a natural thing. It's built in. We as human beings do not come up with it. Marriage is not a natural construct. And this is where the first point that we come at odds with kind of the modern notions, fluidity of, of genders and fluidity of relationships and marriage being some kind of cultural construct. Right. We would, we would say absolutely not. So in the Catholic perspective, it's built into our DNA, DNA as human beings. Uh, Do you consider this natural law? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We'll okay. get into that later if you want. But then God... Of course, blesses the union of man and woman, makes it fruitful, and and uh, this is the, the continuation of the human race. Um, talks about this relationship of man and woman even in his own covenantal pro- uh, uh, language when he's making covenants with the people. Uh, and then ultimately Jesus presents himself as the bridegroom of the bride versus the lamb. Uh, and so marriage is raised to the dignity of a sacrament between baptized and that's what we hear uh, in, especially, like, for instance, Paul sums up, summing it up in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, where he talked about marriage uh, being the image of, of, of Christ and the church. Right. So we believe that marriage then is a sacramental expression of, of what God is doing in Christ to the church. Okay, do a timeout. Explain what a sacrament is. A visible sign of an invisible reality. So it's an outward expression of uh, a real moment of grace, a real uh, acting of God in time and space. Where God, heaven invades earth in a sense. Yeah, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Baptism, you know, we're pouring water over uh, the, 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 the body. But an immersing body, okay, whatever, we'll, we'll immerse too. <laughs> do you guys do about, immersion baptisms? Sure we can, yeah. We no can business. or we do. We can, we can and we do, but we, it's not necessary for us. But the right. washing, the symbolism of washing is the, the efficacious sign. Right? You know, I'll, 
Well, uh, we'll so, say baptism so we would another say, day, okay? Yeah. yeah, efficacious sign is what I'm getting to. So the, the, the water washing over the body is is the, 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 the physical gesture sign that actually brings with it the grace of interior cleansing. So it's an efficacious sign. That's a sacrament, okay? Which the distinction would be uh, with much Protestant theology, although not all. Uh, I believe I'm not crazy. I believe it's Luther's Catechism, which I've read, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I remember it perfectly. He he has your view, uh, a Catholic view of baptism, which would be uh, it's it's actually happening. The Holy Spirit's working in that moment, whereas a lot of Protestants would say. That's a sign, but it's not necessarily connected in the same way that you're connecting it. You're connecting them. They're, they're simultaneously happening. If you're not doing that washing with water, it's not happening, basically. Protestants would say, well, it happens regardless of whether you do that sign in a lot of cases. So not all Protestants. There's a, there's a tendency. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a Protestant, but my yeah. dad was, and, and I know that whole world. My, my grandparents yeah. on that side uh, grew up around that uh, very Pentecostal, very evangelical um, and the the, uh, the ideas that are expressed in that are are unique to a particular brand of Catholicism. But like you're saying, Lutheranism, mainstream they Protestantism. Would, you said brand uh, of Catholicism. I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> Protestantism. Yeah. Thank you. It's after lunch. We yeah. haven't had a nap yet. Yes. So and, and more caffeine. Nor, nor caffeine. Uh, so a brand of Protestantism. Whereas you have mainstream Protestantism that will have a sacramental understanding, but they reduce the sacraments from seven down to Two. Eucharist. And baptism, or baptism and Eucharist. Correct. But, I mean, even yeah. even when you have those that say there's two. So, for example, uh, Baptists, for example, would say there's baptism and there is uh, communion. They would say the communion is a mere memorial right. for, and that the presence of Christ is not in that But the Lutherans wouldn't say that. They the say, Lutherans would not say yeah. that. The Lutherans would say Christ is present in this. In the so, in the so I think it's very, it's very disingenuous to say, Protestants say this because there's so many different yeah, you can, brands you really of can't Protestants. Say that we're not monolithic yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, as far yeah. as marriage goes, yes, we believe it to be one of the seven sacraments instituted by Christ. Okay. Okay. And that when He raised in Matthew 19, for instance, He raised the dignity of marriage. What you know, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. Then He raised that to the level of a sacrament. Uh, then we're bound, you know, to, because to God is this. doing it. God is People doing. do that marriage ceremony, but God is doing it at the same time. God is present. So that's why you're calling it a sacrament, just yeah. like we would say that uh, you would, you're, you're saying that washing of the water is the simultaneous God is doing it, even though there's man doing the water stuff at the same time. It's a heaven meets earth, kind of like, almost like an incarnate moment, right? Yes. Would that be a way to say it? Yes. There's Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man. This is a fully God, fully Man, spiritual moment is what a sacrament would be. Is Every a, sacrament in Catholic theology has matter and form. The matter is the physical element. The form is the the word, the 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 the, the symbolic word that is used to join the two. And then there is there there is the working of the Holy Spirit that binds all those three into the sacrament. Right? Okay, so so that's what's happening according to Catholic theology right. in baptism in in communion, which would be another another topic for another day. Right. But you're saying that. Christ is physically and spiritually present in that communion. And you're saying in the sacrament of marriage, there is a complete moment of, yes, there's a priest doing a ceremony, religious ceremony. People are saying things. At the same time they're saying things, the Holy Spirit is there yeah. in that moment yeah. making that happen. It's not just a, it's not just a man-made moment. Yeah. It's a God-made moment. Yes. 
Okay, so this, so so much so that Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton, who famously said three to get married, and he wasn't talking about throuples. <laughs> right, gosh, <laughs> it goes again. You have to go back and listen to a previous episode yeah. to learn about throuples. I, I don't want to go back there. <laughs> it's too weird. Um, so you have, uh, you know, this is important though because you're you're talking about and 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 see Protestants. Just to be clear, uh, and and I'm just speaking in broad brushstrokes here. But Protestants would not, for the most part, say, uh, they would not disagree on that definition, but they wouldn't call it a sacrament. Mm -hmm. sure. They would have the same, like, well, yes, there's man doing his thing, there's God doing his thing simultaneously. Right. Those two are made one, you can't now break it apart. But it's a covenant. Right. I mean, covenant and sacrament are very akin. Okay. They're very alike. Okay. You know, would they call marriage a covenant? Yes. Okay. Certainly. And, and so, I mean, if we can get into the covenantial language, okay, let's go there. We're 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 yeah. getting close. You know, so it's not just a contract between uh, of goods, right? right. I, I make a contract to give you five goats for if you give me one pig, or well, the Jewish people. I mean, right? everybody pig, listening right? to this podcast yeah. is going to so identify with that. You're right. You give me five goats, <laughs> I'm going to give you three pigs. That's a contract. clearly a contract. A goat weighs less than a pig, <laughs> so it makes sense, David. Maybe if I gave you two thousand bucks, you give me a Mac computer. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a business transaction, yeah, business but that's transaction. not what we're talking about here. Right. But a covenant is an exchange of persons, right? Yes. That there's there's a, there's an exchange of, uh, uh, and it's an irrevocable change of, of of exchange of persons. Like once you give yourself, you can't take yourself back. Right. You're you know, in. There's there's a, there's an intermingling, and that's why all the covenants of the Old Testament had these notions of sacrifice associated with them, like. You know, Moses, I mean, uh, Abraham, when he's in the desert, you know, he wants to go see God and God makes his covenant with him and he makes him walk through the split animals. Right. Yeah, yes, like, that'd be awkward. If 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 I break this covenant, I will be like these animals split, dead, you know, divided mm -hmm. and conquered. Mm -hmm. Right. So so there's this there's this idea of once we make covenant, it's irrevocable. And this is this is part of the sacramental sign of marriage is the irrevocability of marriage, right? That that when God says He's going to do, uh, He's going to save humanity. When He's going to when He's going to marry His like a young man marries a virgin, so the Lord will marry you. When He does that in Jesus Christ, it is irrevocable. God cannot be unfaithful to Himself. And that's what we say is happening in marriage. And that's what the grave scandal of of divorce for us. The grave scandal of divorce is, is that it's putting us under what God God has joined together. Because there's not a moment where when man says, well, I'm divorced now, that God is in that moment to divorcing them. Right. He's saying they're right. still together. It doesn't matter what you say. Right. Okay. So just diving in further here with Catholic thought. Um, if... If there's a couple, are there any times when a divorce is acceptable in Catholic theology? Oh, okay, so we do understand that there are times when separation of spouses must, may or even must occur. Sure. So separation of spouses differenti differentiated from uh, divorce. Okay. Um, there is no such thing as divorce for us as Catholics. If it's a valid marriage enacted before the Lord... It's it's you're married till till death do you part. But if there's abuse happening, or yes, if let's throw the zinger. The husband's yeah, beating the wife, or he's get out he's of horrifically there. verbally abusive, get and out of there. alcoholic. 
Don't you don't have to stay in that. Nobody's you're required. done, pal. You have Absolutely. to go the, live somewhere else. The proper pastoral response is either kick him out or you go stay with your mom. You're, you do you you get out of that situation. But here's where and we're they might the not ever live with one another again Correct. until their dying days. But that this is where we make the line. Okay. Make the distinction. Yeah. That does not give you now the right to form the uh, marital bond with another. Okay, You're bound by the first one, even if it's an abusive relationship. Okay. So it's it would be a, a, a certain degree of noble sacrifice widowhood. in your life. A sort of widowhood. Yes, a sort of widowhood. Uh, or widow, widower. Widowerhood. Widow, widow, widower. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, let's work. We'll work. You I don't know be, where that little, little widow, twang. Widow, widow, widowerhood. Widowerhood. You work on the Latin for that. The yeah. Latin roots for what that would be, David, and get back to us. Um, he's probably thinking in his mind right now what that would be. Uh, so, Vidua, I think, something like that. That's so no, there Vidua. is no divorce granted, and but we'll get to annulment in a second because I think that's worth uh, clarifying. Um, what about where it says ex- Jesus talks about except for in unlawful marriage, and that's exactly what if you you catapulted right into our understanding of what is a declaration of nullity. It's an unlawful marriage. Okay. And what is an un- unlawful marriage? Well, we we know what marriage is. You know, uh, the the consent of man and woman, free to marry, uh, consenting to the lifelong marriage, a uh, union of man and woman, uh, for the purpose of procreation, fidelity, and permanence. Right. These are the natural law right. requirements of marriage. That that you know that marriage requires acts that are open to procreation. That you are exclusive to your spouse, fidelity, and that this is till death do you part. The permanence of marriage. Okay. okay? That. You don't have to be a Christian to believe this. You don't have to be uh, a Bible scholar or a theologian. You just have to be a human being that knows that basically understands natural law from okay. a basic point of view. Right? That's 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 why man and woman are drawn together. Now, if something in that is lacking, and when your consent is lacking, or if there's some impediment, well, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm not old enough. I'm only twelve years old. I'm I'm not capable of consenting to marriage. Well, then that would be an unlawful marriage. We can clear, declare that marriage null, right? Okay. Child, brides, and things like that, we would say, well, that's kind of not, not really correct, right? Um, but then we can get into the nature of things. Maybe someone is so psychologically impaired that they're incapable of living marriage. You know, they've got schizophrenia or or some kind of like uh, personality disorder that, that has so disrupted their ability to have a human relationship that they can't. And so they tried to get married, but... They were incapable of living it, so we would say that's an unlawful marriage. So, so, and when you mean unlawful, you don't mean like somebody just broke the law. You're just saying, you're just to make a distinction. You're saying that 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 is a law. That's a marriage that would not have counted as a marriage. Correct. Okay, now it has to be a human act. Going back, so if somebody develops a mental, they're married, and then they develop uh, a mental illness. That's different, though, from Correct. what you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. So what we're talking about in a declaration of nullity from the Catholic Church point of view, we're talking about the moment of consent. From the moment of consent, you make these vows that say, till death do his part, sure, but in sickness and in health, for, for, for good or for ill, right? In good times right. or in bad times. Well, so obviously someone literally developing... loses their mind five minutes after getting married. Right. Did you ever watch the movie, It's a Beautiful Mind? I did that's a great example of this. Like, he maybe had some latent, you know, uh, tendencies going on beforehand, but they didn't manifest, and he didn't really—he wasn't incapable of living and, and sure. having a human relationship until much later. And she stick, didn't she stick with him? Or, she did. Yeah, 
That's for us the great image of marriage. Okay. You know, sticking with somebody even when it's broken. Okay. So what about where Jesus is, except for in areas of marital in, or uh, okay. sexual immorality? So porneia is the Greek word. Studying Greek, right? So porneia. Well, porneia. I mean, does that sound like any English word we know? It sure porneia. Does. Yeah. Porneia. Uh, porneia. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and, it, and it means... I think like, I killed that joke. I beat it, it too much, didn't oh, I? Yeah. Did, didn't I kind of yeah. say that too much? Yeah. I think I did. But we, I think we got it, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I was waiting for a chuckle. That's that's probably what it was. And no one no one chuckled. And I just need outside affirmations, David. There we go. <laughs> okay. There. okay. Now that, that we know what That's Pornay, what made me laugh. Back to Not that, Yeah, I know it was. I, I need affirmation. Whether you laugh with me or at me, I'm... I'm I'm happy, but I need it. I need that outside laughter. So what we would say is that that the fathers of the church have always understood that to mean uh, a, a an irregularity beforehand, like brother marrying sister. Like we, we would say, John the Baptist called out Herod for marrying his brother's wife Herodias, and that that was an, a pornea because it was it was it was an improper relationship. In an adulterous relationship, right? So that's why John. So John, you're saying that's included within the interpretation of annulment? Yeah, sure. So prior bond could be one of the things. Uh, uh, there are certain degrees of affinity, like brother and sister cannot get married, right? Uh, and it's divine law, isn't it? I'm pretty sure that's divine law. Anyway, the, the who, what? Yeah, what did you say? I might have to do some research. I know that father and daughter can't get married by divine law. Yeah, by well, have, right out of. Is, I have to go back to my books for school. I can't remember. Let's write out of. Hopefully, yeah, we don't the, have to encounter this too much. But but anyway, the the idea actually that there, there is things. a degree to where it is happening more, and people are actually having lawsuits, and it's, it's happening in it's Europe strange. more, have, uh, where people are arguing for it. There was a story about it's like genetic sexual attraction or something like that. GSA. Yeah, there was an mm-hmm. article in like some mm-hmm. big public, publication where if a mother and son or separated, separated at birth mm-hmm. or something like that they're much more likely to have a they're not necessarily likely but they're much more likely to have a uh Immediate, ancestral, like, sexual trend yes yeah it's that's very strange anyway um what we would say is that pornea what, what it's not is not post-marital infidelity that's an erroneous interpretation that that we would say uh does not dissolve marriage you know, and you defend that from what the fathers of the church absolutely. have said is what you're saying. So you know, we think about this logically. If if I can get if I'm in an unhappy marriage, and I believe that interpreting Matthew chapter 19 uh, to say on uh, except for when there's infidelity, all I have to do to get out of this marriage is go be unfaithful, and now I'm absolved of my marriage before God. That doesn't make sense, does it? Well, I'm I'm going to hear you out, but I mean, there's a a Protestant way of looking at that would be a little bit different, but okay. or most Protestants. I don't want to speak for all. I really don't. Now we have a, a, a ground of nullity where you, if you say you have an intention in, of infidelity at the moment of consent, that that could be a ground of nullity. So, in other words, you have. I a don't ever intend to make this marriage correct a, exclusive. We yeah, it's going to be an open marriage from the begin beginning, yeah. and then you would say that's a, a null and void correct sexual immorality okay. on the on the ground of simulation of consent. Like you you, you simulate. Would that include consent. like let's say there's a guy getting married, but he's saying I'm never going to give up my pornea habit. He's like that. That was a little funnier. That my could, yeah, that, I get it. I get it. He didn't laugh yeah, again. Yeah, he, he didn't laugh. <laughs> Twice. He didn't laugh. Okay, so the guy's getting married. He's got a porn habit. He's saying, I have zero intention of getting rid of this porn and my wife. 
I think an argument could be made. I mean, I, that would be a fun one to try. Not to say fun. Fun, one, yeah. yeah, yeah. D- David is a Canon lawyer, <laughs> yeah. so he, he the, his his uh, I don't know what it was, his Canon lawyer side nerdiness yeah. got the best of him right there. That's we're just right. gonna we're gonna strike that one from the record. I'm not. Editing, editing, it would be an no, interesting no. case. I would just have, say yes, that. that's what you meant. Yes. Uh, okay. So, so all right. I'm hearing you. I think, is there more to say about this? About marriage or annulments? More or? marriage, annulments, and Catholic. So, so let me just say what I think I understood, I've understood about the Catholic position. Uh, there is, um, when Jesus is telling his disciples, this is the state, this is how marriage works, and they say, well, if this is the case, then it'd be better for marriage to never. Yeah, it'd be better if never, never, nobody never, ever married. Nobody married. Jesus and that's why like, he says. He's like, yeah, basically, it's impossible to do this without God. Yeah. And the reason why they had that response was because of how strong of a line Christ was taking right. with marriage. He was with, intensifying you know, the law of Moses. He said, well, Moses allowed for this, but I say... Right. right he, he's stepping it is, up. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's intensifying, you know, you, you know, you heard he said an eye for an eye. But I say, you know, he intensifies the law against hatred of your brother. Uh, it says now you can't even hate your enemy. You got to love your enemy. So he does the same thing with marriage. So let's let's now go to uh, Catholic teaching on, and we're probably just going to spend the majority of this episode just hearing out Catholic ideas here. Um, so now somebody in the Catholic Church, they've been in the church or they've gotten married. There'd be no reason to annul it from the Catholic position, and they get a divorce. Yeah. And then they remarry, and they say, "Well, you know what? I also miss going to church. I'm mm-hmm. going to come back to church." And they come back to church, and they're both going to Catholic church, yeah. and uh, they're living in their second marriage. Yeah. Uh, what does the Catholic Church do with that? Yeah. So there. Okay. So first of all, let's back up and and say, why did you go into the second marriage? The the second marriage has has is is the problematic side of these things, not the separation, because sometimes separation is necessary. Right. We we talk about that now. I, I like to promote this. There's a book that just came out by a, a lady in Italy. It's called The Gift of Self. And it's how to deal with uh, a, a spouse that has abandoned you. And she uses the image of the prodigal father and the prodigal, or the prodigal son and the faithful father. And she says that the abandoned spouse is kind of like the faithful father called to rely, rely on that relationship and to wait in, in, in patience for the return of the prodigal mm-hmm. spouse. And that so oftentimes we have abandoned being the faithful spouse. Sure. And there's there's this move on uh, mentality. You, you deserve to be happy. Well, you won't be happy unless you're with the spouse of your youth, right? You, and and if you move on, you're just going on to another relationship, and, and a part of you is 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 still with the. You other. will feel divorced. Yeah, absolutely. Divorced, yeah. So this 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 falsehood of moving on, I'm gonna fi- I'm gonna find my happiness elsewhere, is a is a falsehood that's not in accord with Christian reality. Right, because if you're what God has joined together, man must not put asunder. Uh, so, so there's all, there's this that's idea that don't don't go and move on, don't move on. Okay. Stay, be faithful, and God will give you graces. It's all about grace here. God will provide if you trust in Him. Lord, I don't have a husband anymore. He ran off with the floozy. Uh, <laughs> so, how am I going to raise these children and make the ends meet? You have to provide, Father God, hus- husband, and, and the Holy Spirit. You know that sort of sort of yeah. sense. And you know what? Faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Sure. 
Okay, so there's, there's not that. a guarantee here, though. You right. guys don't guarantee right. this, right? Right. Also, you used right. floozy in a sentence. Integrate, integrate. Let's see, I'm multifaceted here. That's multi generational. I'm pretty sure that hasn't been used since the 30s. <laughs> floozy. <laughs> the floozy. So, so that, then, if you find yourself, you, you've you've then you, maybe you, in a time of lacking faith, you went off and found another spouse. And you, you now you're coming back to faith, or you found a, sp- a spouse, and you're or let's say they're Protestants, marriage. or they were oh, secularists, right. and they've exactly. converted to Catholicism. Exactly. So now, what do we do? Well, this is a pastoral situation that has an answer. I call it. Well, we're we're developing the saints Anna and Simeon society. Remember Anna and Simeon in the temple? Yes. The presentation of Jesus in the temple. Yes. They had waited for years to their old age, to welcome the Savior. Sure. But they had been promised it a long time. Imagine how they were feeling. and, and what they, they, Here they are. Well, Anna had been married for seven years, and then she was mm-hmm. she was widowed for widow. 70 more or whatever yeah. it was. So here she is waiting as a widow in the temple, going in faith day in and day out, but not receiving her Lord. But she's there in fidelity, and the Lord sees her, the Lord loves her, and there's grace involved in that fidelity. The same thing happens with the, the 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 couple that find themselves in an irregular situation and they've maybe gone through the declaration of nullity process and the answer is negative. Your your marriage to the previous spouse is valid and we can't recognize your current union. So let me just, I, I just to track, yeah. you're saying if they came to the church and they're like, oh, the Catholic church does not recognize my current, recognize marriage. My current marriage. Let me see if I can get my previous one annulled. They go through that process. And the, the answer is no. negative. You're still right. married to your previous Correct. spouse and they're still legally married to the person that they're married Correct. to. And they so may have been kind of raising kids and, or yeah. stepkids. And, right. Okay. So they're bound in this kind of irregular union, but they, they really can't. There is an option always to separate from the second second marriage. Okay. You know, in the eyes of God. I mean, in, the, in that sense. But but most of the time people don't. But that's obviously but very difficult because of kids, putting they're, kids through a second right. divorce or something like that. Right. So right. there's there's all, all, uh, there's the option of, of of just not refraining from Holy Communion, but knowing that you're part of, of, of the church and knowing that there's great graces. God pours out grace upon fidelity. And if you're obedient to his command, you're like, wow, I didn't know it, but now I know it. I'm in a marriage that can't be reconciled with God's understanding of marriage. And so I'm not going to attempt to pretend that 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 uh, I know better than God, and so we're going to live in very humble circumstances here, and and maybe just continue this married relationship, but not attempt to take holy communion in church because we know we're in an irregular relationship with communion with God. Interesting. And there's grace poured out for that, or there's even this. So the aspect. Catholic Church does not condemn that couple. No. Now some people will feel condemned because they can't take communion, but we don't condemn. We say, "Yeah, sure, come on down." There's great grace involved in being very humble before the Lord, like Anna in the temple. Right? She's going to receive her Lord one day. Right? He's going to come on the last day. That that fidelity in the in 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 an irregular situation is very grace filled. There's another solution. This is the most unpopular of them, but it goes back to our previous. Podcast. I can see where you're going with this. <laughs> live, live as brother and brother sister. Brother and sister, right? And that's what. And you get to take communion. Absolutely. In certain that, circumstances, it's not that popular. It's not, but you kind of ask, why not? What's more important for me? What's more important for me? And I understand that it's a difficult decision that has to be made. I understand that it's it involves a lot of suffering. What would you do for a Kit Kat bar? No, I wonder what would you do for a Klondike bar? That was the advertisement. Yeah, yeah. What would you do for the Klondike bar? What would you do for the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our dearly beloved Lord Jesus Christ? Sure. You know, given an atonement for our sins. Well, that's why I was asking sort of the question of, yeah. you know, would people that are... That I know of people. 
that are in irregular unions that could could not be declared null that are now currently living as brother and sister. Sure, it's, it's easier as you go go older, apparently. So, uh, and <laughs> and when they're not having that internal scandal, right, of living in an irregular relationship. That, that they they are able to receive Holy Communion with all humility. It's always about so the humility. Catholic Church doesn't consider that second marriage a state of adultery. Yes, we do. You do, that, but 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 it's it's an irregular. That's why you can't go to communion. Okay. That's, that's, but if you can resolve the adultery by not committing adultery internally, boy, we're kind of out of time here. But I'm just <laughs> one. Opened up a can of worms. Yeah. How do you how do you say like well if you if you genuinely believe they're living in adultery then how is that not turning a blind eye toward what you view as sin? Well, but they're not. That's what I'm saying. If if they're living as brother and sister, no, no. But what if they? You're saying that they, they're not condemned by the church to not, and they're not taking oh. communion. The okay. People that are still living not as brother and sister, Shoot. but as husband and it's, wife. In it's a definitely second. an imperfect reality. It's definitely an imperfect reality. People can be humble and imperfect realities. You know, even the greatest sinner who lifts his eyes, you know, just like the, the, the publican, you know, the tax collector who says, you know, I'm beating my breast. I'm, you know, I can't even look up my eyes. You know, I'm, I'm right. sitting in the back. I, I say to you, that man went home justified. And we would say that. That's, that's the case, that we would counsel them to, to separate. But there's reasons why they can't. We're not going to outright condemn them, shun them. But it does mean that you can't receive Holy Communion. You can't make a statement of communion when you're not in communion full. Boy, I there, there's more questions now than answers after all of this, but we're going to have to stop for now. Uh, thank you, David, for being with us. And uh, we'll stay tuned to a Beautiful Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. The Chattanooga House of Prayer is a nonprofit ministry based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are seeking the transformation of our city through unified prayer, worship, and action. I want to give a special thank you to those of you who give generously to this ministry. We have just learned over the years that many hands make light work, and it is because of you that we can continue this important mission. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit chathop.org. That's C-H-A-T-T-H-O-P dot org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and tag us at Chattanooga House of Prayer. Thanks again for listening.